The second reading this morning is from Acts chapter 14, and it's the entire chapter. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to mistreat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to Lyconian, the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby, and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the good news. In Lystra, there they, sorry, in Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, but Paul looked directly at him saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia and and when they had preached the word in Persia, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed to the, work, to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. 
Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm one of the youth pastors here at Richmond Anglican. I'm just going to move some of this music that's on here to the shelf below. Sorry, musicians. Um, well done on those Bible readings. There are a lot of uh, tricky names, uh, especially in the, the Samuel reading, a lot of tricky names, uh, and a couple of tricky place names in our Acts reading for this morning. Uh, like I said before, I'm one of the youth pastors here at Richmond Anglican, uh, and it's my privilege to be opening God's Word with you all today. But before we get uh, into trying to see what we can learn from God's Word, it would be remiss of me not to pray first. So please join with me. Dear God, Thank you for your grace to us through Jesus. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins through his death. Thank you that through him we can have new life, free from the values of our broken world with hearts made new in light of what he did. Please open our hearts and minds to receive your word to us today that we might better understand how we should live in response to your son. Please shape us and grow us to want to share this hope, peace, and freedom with the world both near and far. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For a while now, we've been looking at the book of Acts in the New Testament. The longer name for this book is the Acts of the Apostles, and it tells us of the time after Jesus' death and resurrection. It tells us of the good news of what Jesus did and how that spread over the whole known world at the time. We've been calling this series the unstoppable gospel. The word gospel meaning the good news, specifically about Jesus. The reason we have been calling this series that is that time and time again in the book of Acts, we see that the news of Jesus spreads despite opposition, despite personal failure, despite horrifying circumstances. And today's chapter is no exception. It tells us of the final three stops on the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey. And once again, in today's stories, we see the unstoppable success of the good news about Jesus. In all of the cities that Paul stops, there are people who turn to Christ. There are those who Paul then later visits to encourage them in their faith. But what I wanted to do today is to get us to stop and think about just how stoppable we sometimes are. I think for all of us, I want us to consider what does it take for us to not tell someone about the hope that we have in Jesus? Because the gospel is unstoppable, but sometimes we aren't. How stoppable is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in our lives? Perhaps you've never thought about who Jesus was and how you might live in response to him. Perhaps you've been a Christian a really long time, but you just struggle to share that with other people. My hope is that today in Acts 14, we're going to see that if we believe in Jesus and what he did for us, we should be bold in proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And I want us to consider the things that we let get in the way of that mission and how we can turn away from those things. So let's get into it. Today's passage tells us of the last three stops on the Apostle Paul's first missionary journey. This is a journey which started in a place called Antioch, which is today on the border between Turkey and Syria. He then visited the island of Cyprus and journeyed from town to town in what is today Turkey. 
Paul was originally against Christianity to the point of overseeing the mass imprisoning and persecution of those who followed Jesus. But on the way to a place called Damascus, he had a massive change of heart. And then he went on to spread the word about Jesus to the Gentiles, to people who were not Jews. And he's also responsible for writing most of the New Testament. And so today, in all three of the stops that Paul and Barnabas make in today's chapter, the cities of Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, the responses of the people are quite mixed. In the first city, in Iconium, from verses 1 to 7, a great number of people in the town, both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, people who weren't Jews, believed what Paul and Barnabas had to say. And initially, it seems like things are going really well. Some of the people, specifically some of the Jews in the town, in verse 2, we're told, poisoned the minds of the people against Paul and Barnabas. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Paul or Barnabas in this situation, it started out well, and then people started turning against them. The next part of the story would say, so they moved on to the next city uh, in the hope that they would be more receptive. But that's not how it goes. Look with me at verse 3. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord. In response to opposition, to people's minds being poisoned against them, to people thinking things which were just blatantly untrue about them, they didn't just move on. They continued to speak boldly for the Lord. Eventually, they would have to flee for their lives in order to continue their missionary journey. But in the next city, Lystra, a similar thing happens. They speak, some people listen, but then things turn bad. To the point where the locals throw rocks at Paul and they think he's dead. They drag him outside the city and leave him there, beaten and broken. Though again, Paul, this time almost miraculously, gets up and continues on. In the final city, Derby, things go great. We only get about one verse about Derby, and we aren't told much except that a large number of people became disciples. And then in the last part of our chapter, the oh-so-important part, Paul and Barnabas make their way back to where they started their journey, a place called Antioch. Now, it's a bit confusing. A little side note, there are actually two Antiochs. There's the Antioch they started at, and there's Pisidian Antioch, which is a place they journeyed through. At the end of the chapter, they go back to the original Antioch that sent them out, to the place where they were sent from. And on the way back, they passed back through the towns that nearly killed them. Despite much opposition, they persevered, not just in their journey, but in places that tried to get rid of them permanently, places that arguably didn't want them back. In verse 22... Paul and Barnabas say to the new disciples in the city as they're passing back through to encourage them, they say, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. You see, the gospel for Paul and Barnabas was not something to be stopped by their own comfort, by people's opinions of them, by the threat of harm. And I wonder, is this just meant to be the case for them? Is the need to speak boldly for the Lord only a call that a few people receive? 
Is it just for the Pauls and the Barnabases of the world? I think Paul and Barnabas would say otherwise. And verse 22 tells us as much. If you believe in Christ and have given your life to him, are you willing to share the gospel in your workplace? Are you willing to share the gospel with your family, with your kids, with your parents, with your friends? That's kind of my first point from today's chapter, that if we believe in Jesus, if we believe in the grace given to us by his death on the cross, then we should share that with others. It's something that you'll hear us say from up here quite often, and it's almost a Christian cliche, but we can't let hardship stop us from doing that. And I think it's important to get our heads around that when it says hardship, it's not just talking about if someone calls you stupid for what you believe, or if someone says that you're wrong or you're dumb. Because hardship is actually a broader word than just opposition. When your own personal circumstance makes you want to turn all your efforts, all your time, all your energy inwards to just protect yourself, Paul and Barnabas's example here tells us to keep moving forwards for God. And as Christians, we should expect there to be moments of hardship. Moments where life is hard. As Alora grows and is encouraged in her faith, she will experience hard times. But as Christians, we're called to persevere. We might get tired. We might lose our jobs. Not even necessarily related to our faith. Bad stuff happens. We might experience the death of someone close to us. Perhaps we get sick. Our bodies fail us mentally or physically. Even in the face of that, we are called to speak boldly for the Lord. In fact, even, and it's important to think this through, in the face of our own sin, our own failure, just because the last hundred times I spoke to this person, I was too shy, too scared, too awkward to tell them that I'm a Christian. Even in the face of that hardship, I should speak boldly for the Lord. In the second city that Paul and Barnabas visit in Lystra, we get a glimpse, just a small glimpse, of how Paul and Barnabas went about sharing the gospel. And we're going to uh, get a broader picture of this later on in chapter 17. Uh, but we learn something from this small excerpt about some of the things that can stop us from being bold for the gospel. And we get that from the response of the people to Paul and Barnabas. You see, in this city, we're told that there was a man who was lame. Uh, this doesn't mean someone who's not fun to be around. Uh, that means someone who can't walk. Uh, and this man, we're told, has never been able to walk. This is verses 8 through 20, if you're following along. And this man listens to Paul and Paul can see that this man is accepting what he has to say. Paul can see that this man has faith. And so Paul says to the man, stand up. And miraculously, he does. The people of Lystra, they go crazy. <laughs> they can't believe what they've just seen. And so they celebrate. Uh, they're, they're cheering and they're shouting in their own language. And Paul and Barnabas actually don't speak the Lyconian language. Uh, and 
they look at Paul and Barnabas and they say, clearly the gods have come down to visit us. They thought that Barnabas was Zeus and Paul was Hermes. Uh, and so the chief priest of the local temple of Zeus, uh, he brings some sacrifices and they try and offer them up to Paul and Barnabas. And they do all of this because they don't really understand what's going on. And so Paul, to his credit, tries to tell them. Look with me at verses 15 through 17. Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Paul and Barnabas try and tell the people of Lystra to turn away from pointless things. The gods they worship are not the true God. Up until now, the true God has let nations go their own way, living as they desire, but now something has changed. Something which has meant Paul and Barnabas are travelling all over the known world to tell people about. Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the world so that the nations might respond. In verse 17, yet he has not left himself, that is God, without testimony. Look at the beauty in the world around you, the good, the kindness. You see the rain comes when you need it and the crops grow when you need them. It is God who provides you with food and makes all the good things of the world. But the people of Lystra, they were looking at the kindness of God and they were mistaking it for actual gods. Paul explains to them through a lens they can understand, and he calls them out on their falsehood, and he points them towards the truth. He doesn't just leave them to figure it out for themselves. He points them towards the truth of Jesus. And I think Paul and Barnabas's words here speak to us today as well. Because we often get so caught up in the goodness and the kindness of God to us, the good things he's provided, that we start to act like those good things are the God of our lives. We worship the things the Creator makes rather than the Creator himself. We're like someone who's just come out of life-saving surgery to have something that was killing us removed. Imagine we come out of a, a 10-hour procedure We've been on the operating table and almost died, where a surgeon has worked so hard to save our life. And we get out and we start thanking and praising the scalpel that the surgeon used. That would be dumb because it was the surgeon that put in the work. God has not left himself without testimony, but unfortunately, we take that testimony, the beauty of creation the money in our bank account, the relationships that we have with other people, the joy in our lives. And we start to worship that instead of God. We make our own personal comfort and happiness our number one priority. And so we can't pursue the message of the gospel. Perhaps today 
you need to hear the words of Paul and Barnabas to the people of Lystra. Maybe you need to turn away from the pursuit of pointless things. Your job, your money, your car, your family, your friends, the health of your lawn, whatever it is. When we let the things in our life, which are a blessing to us, when we let those things become the God that we worship, we're not able to follow God as well. Because you can't face hardship and pursue the kingdom of heaven if you're so caught up on how much money you have. You won't be generous with your time, your energy, or your life if your end goal is to have as much stuff as possible. And the same goes for anything. If your heart is set on an idol when the pursuit of the good news of Jesus comes up against that thing, which do you think is going to win? Because you don't need to be physically abused or verbally cursed to be stopped in your pursuit of sharing the good news of Jesus. I think being distracted and misdirected or left sitting at home on the couch on your phone works just as well. For those of you that have never considered Jesus, now is the time to turn away from pointless things. Money, relationships and your physical health and so many other things, they are the kindness of God to you. They can be great. But if your hope for a satisfied, joyful life is in those things, they will fail. But thankfully, Paul doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just say, life is pointless. Because Jesus offers you something more. Jesus offers a joy that is not tied to your personal circumstance, a reality that says you are deeply known and you are deeply loved. And all you need to do is believe in Jesus and accept him as Lord of your life. And now you might be thinking that to pursue Jesus in your whole life, uh, for me to let Jesus be Lord of my life and then to, to share that with others, to take the responsibility for the for sharing this awesome news with other people, that seems really hard. Especially the sharing part. And I'm sure there are long-standing Christians in this room who still struggle to share their faith with others. It seems like a huge weight to bear. Well, I think if that's you, then the last few verses of today's chapter can be a comfort and a call to keep on trying. When Paul and Barnabas get back to Antioch, that is the first Antioch, the place they kicked off this whole missionary journey, they gather the church that sent them and they share their journey with them. It says in verse 27, look with me, on arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They don't say, come here about all the great work that we did. No. They tell them of how God worked through them. When we pursue the gospel, when we give our lives to Jesus, it is God that does the work. We are the scalpel and not the surgeon. 
We let ourselves be a tool for the work of the gospel that God is going to do. For me, and I think for you as well, that is a huge relief. Because I don't have to take responsibility for the response that that person has. I don't have to bear the weight of whether I am good enough to share the message. Of whether I can look past my own sin to tell someone that theirs are forgiven if they only trust. Paul and Barnabas faced many hardships in their pursuit of the kingdom of God. In their pursuit of telling others how to get there through Jesus. We also need to persevere. When hardship comes, don't let it stop you. Don't get distracted by the kindness of God in the world and worship that instead. Rather, see the God that it points to and share that goodness and that hope with other people because the gospel is unstoppable. God's message will go out. Don't let hardship stop you from sharing it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you once again for what your son did for us on the cross, that we might have new life through him. Please help us to be bold for the gospel. Please help us when times get hard to look to you. Please help us when times are good to remember you and keep you as our priority. Dear Lord, please help us to cast off those things that we desire most, those things that we are tempted to put before you. Dear Lord, please help us to focus on your kingdom and to endure and persevere. And Lord, we thank you that you are doing your work. Thank you that it's not our responsibility. But Lord, please help us to persevere. In your son's name we pray. Amen.